So we started calling it Winter Birds. Winter Birds. And now I think of Winter Reeds. <laughs> and that terrible accent, I can't stop doing it. I had to text her last night. Like, <laughs> I'm doing a podcast on Winter Reeds. Winter Reeds. Okay, sorry. Long story. That's okay. I appreciate the Hepburn accent. <laughs> Please don't include How that. How do you like your chicken fried? <laughs> Kind of in it, like with a little bit of Betty Davis, too. Uh, yes. <clears throat> and that is interesting to know that that's your origin of something that you've become a master of. It dates back to something, some sort of embarrassing anecdote like that. <laughs> a lot of us come to where we are as people from some sort of embarrassing anecdote. True. <laughs> Very true. So Winter Reads, this is uh, part three of what's become kind of a running <clears throat> series now with Sarah. Hello, Sarah. Hi, thanks for having me. And Cricket. Hi. Joining me, my name is Jeff, again on A Little Too Quiet, the Ferndale Library podcast brought to you by the Friends of the Ferndale Library. And you're getting more recommendations on this episode because winter is coming. And none of us are going to talk about Game of Thrones, are we? A little bit, maybe. (gasps) I refuse. Gasp. Yeah, we had a summer episode. We had an autumn episode. Inevitably, we're going to have a spring episode. But uh, I think Sarah talked to us about winter reads. I think that cricket too. I think that there's that there's that phrase a cozy a cozy read uh, a book you want to climb under blankets with while it's zero degrees outside. Something you want to hide away from the from the bitterness with. Our picks aren't necessarily cozy, are they? Yeah, I, I'm sorry if cozy was the cozy, homework cozy because I have. I have a couple of murder <laughs> books. I have failed on the cozy. I have like one cozy. I organized mine into categories. I have restful, oh atmospheric thriller, a throwback young adult pick that takes place in the winter, and um, ghosts. Ghosts. <laughs> winter ghosts. Winter ghosts. I have some. I have some winter ghosts too. Excellent. Which, is like, it ghost season? Maybe it's always ghost season with it's me. Ne- never not ghost season. Okay. Job. All right, I'm in. Uh, who wants to go first? Uh, the, what was your first category, Cricket? Well, my first category was restful reads because well, since I just clumsily rambled about coziness, I think that is the perfect uh, yeah, place. It is a good to start to justify way to start and. I will start by saying, like, a friend of mine recently introduced me to the concept of power seasons. By the way, oh, I'm getting yeah. side eye. No, 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 from, no, no, no. Okay. I've like, never heard this phrase. Okay. So, a power season is the season which may or may not be your favorite season, but it's the f- season when you feel your most powerful. Mm-hmm. You feel your most self, you most comfortable in your own skin. And if not that, you're trying to goad yourself up into doing it. Yeah, kind of a yeah, um, kind of a condo self-help sort of thing. Like. Right. So I will begin this by saying that winter is the opposite of my power season. We all know you're a bog monster. <laughs> winter is my um, power down season. Mm-hmm. It is definitely a time of like hibernation and rest and trying to think of creative ways to say no to party invitations. Remind my friends that I still love them and I'll see them in the spring. This is the time of year where we slow down. Yes, we are animals. Molecularly speaking, everything is slower. It is time to... I have a whole recommendation for that. Great. Yeah. So that brings me to my first recommendation, which is called Wintering. The Power of Rest and Retreat During Difficult Times, which is by Catherine May. She is a British author. Mm -hmm. And um, this book was released in November 2020, which was perfect for me. It was the right read at the right time. 
not only was winter coming, but 2020 was happening and it was the first time I wasn't spending Thanksgiving with my family. It's a very weird Christmas. So she's kind of applying the topic of like hibernation to like any time you're having a rough time. But since winter often coincides with a rough time for me, it was it was just perfect. And it was just like, look, stop trying to make yourself do stuff you don't want to do mm-hmm. and just rest and be a mammal. The people who love you will understand if you're not going to be around for a while because you got to deal with your stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, the other thing I really liked about she lives in England and she started cold water bathing <laughs> as kind of a treatment for her depression. So she just goes and like jumps into the sea whenever she's feeling kind of down. Sarah is shaking her head. <laughs> Jeff's eyes are widening. Sure. I mean, I just, um, what a life to live by the sea. I know. I know, right? Like, she can just kind of, like, walk through the downtown of her quaint English village. Just jump into the, the sea. To the seaside, take off her bathrobe, because she's just put her, her dressing jump gown. right in me, there. And just, like, jump into the sea and be like, whoa! Yeah. Um, so, how, how, how embracing. Maybe, maybe so she bracing. sees some things in the depths. Yeah. <laughs> fish maybe <laughs> no monsters sarah's about to get up and walk out of the room um but so yeah, obviously not for everybody but um as a person who really likes to swim immerse myself in bodies of water since reading this book i have started doing it in colder and colder temperatures awesome <laughs> like into the fall and i like it i don't i don't know if it's done anything for you know my brain chemistry but it's just it's just kind of fun and invigorating and it's got to be good for you in some way yeah like wim hoff has this whole thing i keep meaning to like read his book about like he's one of those people who just like sits in a tank of ice water and is like this is good for me i don't understand it but some people like that i don't know that i believe that but it's got to do something to your nervous system yeah it's fun to swim in some kind of cold water sometime Sarah would agree. But I, well, I'm not swimming in cold water, but <laughs> the the message of finding a healthy way of c- coping, dealing, connecting with nature, all that I'm into. Yeah. The actual cold water part of it, I am not. Yeah. But it I can think also the be... concept of it is, yeah, is very interesting. Yeah. Because the other thing I did in 2020 that I didn't normally do was go outside for a lot of hikes in the snow, which normally I'd be like, mm, no. Oh. But because it was the only way to like see some people that I liked, is, like meet up at a park and hike around and just kind of be like in your snow pants. And like that wasn't something I'd ever been interested in before. And now I like doing that too. So different ways to cope with weird circumstances and try to accept the fact that I live in Michigan and probably will for the foreseeable future. <laughs> I think I have a segue for that. Sarah, do you have a better segue for that? I mean, I might. You just talked about bracing both, cold. Both segue and I'll vote. <laughs> okay, let's, let's reveal our titles and then we can rant. I was going to go into John Krakauer's Into the into Thin Air. Mm. Oh, that's pretty good. I have a book called Winter World by a biologist named Bernd Heinrich. You go first, then I'll go. <laughs> Okay. Um, I just have a follow-up question. Are you sure that you are pronouncing his first name correct? Uh, can you help me out with that a little bit? I maybe? believe that the pronunciation of his first name is Beyond. <laughs> and I know this because I looked it up on the internet. Okay. And listened we, to a video of a person. For my it. own entertainment and for the listeners, Sarah, could you say the name? 
I say Bernd. And then Cricket? Bernd! Thank you. <laughs> so Mr. Heinrich, uh, actually, I think he's Dr. Heinrich, is a biology professor at, or was, I think he's retired at this point, at the University of Vermont and has a cabin in Maine. He's an ultra marathon runner. And he's written lots of books about the natural world. And he has a book called The Winter World. And it is very cozy. The front has a picture of like a fox curled up in the snow. Aww. And there might be a squirrel or a bird or something. There might be two birds. Winter birds. Winter birds. <laughs> so he comes at this as both a scientist and like a lover of nature and a and just sort of an observer of nature. So he spends time in his cabin in Maine um, observing what do the non-migrating animals do in wintertime in Maine. So you have birds, squirrels, chipmunks, foxes, beavers, and then like frogs and all fish and things like that. So he explains how they survive, right? So it's a go it's a really gorgeous ode to nature. Like here is the miraculous miraculousness of the winter world. Um and I'm not quite sure after reading it that I would like be able to pass a test on the difference between like <laughs> toper and hibernation. But that's not the point. The the point of the book is really just sort of like a an embrace of of winter and nature. And, you know, I love your like idea of going out and walking and doing some winter hikes. This like very much like a Heinrich thing to do, I think. The bailed thing to do. <laughs> How fun. So mine gets mine gets austere and scary and actually serious and actually dangerous. Uh, but it is very much a well, none of us are really going to go out and climb Mount Everest. But if, if I most certainly am not, I promise you, <laughs> if you're looking for a book that will uh, assuredly surround you with snow, uh, if you want to uh, walk in the footsteps of, of John Krakauer uh, and take you back to the mid 90s when there was this horrible storm that we, we've been silly and we we're talking about winter birds, but like a lot of a lot of people died and it was very serious. But John Krakauer has written a few nonfiction <clears throat> books that take you into the wilderness, literally. There's Into the Wild and Under the Banner of Heaven, but this is Into Thin Air and think that I enjoy winter, but it's a very, it's like a scary season. It's a dangerous season. Uh, even if you're here in Michigan and not climbing tens of thousands of feet into into the sky. <laughs> uh, but if you're really into nonfiction and you're really into wilderness writing, uh, this is an amazing book. I think it's very well written. John rates with a reverence for his fellow climbers and is, uh, I think, very sensitive when it comes to some of the more very serious and, and tragic events that happen. So... I feel like I really just brought it down, but hey, Mount Everest. Um, I think I do think that there is a. I also love Krakauer and yeah. his writing, and I, that the like armchair adventure. Yes. From like for people who don't want to go and do that, like you can read that at home in front of your own fire, being all cozy, and he takes you really. He it, takes you takes there. you to um, what it's like to to do that kind of mountaineering. I think is that's his. The beauty of his writing mm -hmm. but he also pull he you know he doesn't pull or does pull a lot of punches like he mm -hmm. he does uh lay some blame mm -hmm. in that book mm -hmm. as well mm -hmm. about um human mistakes right. that he thinks cost lives right 
Don't mess around with Mount Everest. It's the moral of the story. I can once again assure you that I will not. <laughs> Absolutely not. So but I, have... I would read about it, definitely. That's the closest I'll ever come. Yes. Yeah. I enjoyed reading about it, and then, it's, and then it scared me and made me sad, but then enjoyed it still, nonetheless. Um, so we all started with nonfiction books. Where would you go next, Cricket? Well, on the same restful note, which is not nonfiction at all, and um, maybe fun for Sarah... If you've listened to this podcast before and if you've listened to an episode called, what was it called? Approximately Accurate? Yeah. You may have heard us talking about the Moomins. Oh, yeah. And the Moomins being these, like, trolls from Scandinavia that are basically the essence of hygge or coziness. And there is one from when I was a kid that I especially loved called Moominland Midwinter. Oh, that sounds so cozy. It is the coziest. So these little trolls, and and technically it is a kid's book, but I would like to encourage like adults with a cozy bent to check it out because she writes very, she writes in a way that an adult can enjoy as well. I think they're, they're just like lovely little treasures. Um, anyway, um, it's about these adorable little trolls who hibernate for the winter they fill their bellies with pine needles and then they all crawl into tea cozies or <laughs> under quilts and they sleep all winter except for one winter when moomin troll wakes up and he can't go back to sleep and his family is sleeping and so he goes outside to see the winter which he's always slept through before and he has wonderful adventures and he goes skiing and he sees the ferocious grok and it's just the sweetest, he has an adventure, but then he's tired again, so then he goes back to sleep. What's our format here? Is this a picture book? Is this a graphic novel? Is this... This is like a... It's a chapter book okay. interspersed with illustrations, mm-hmm. which are so sweet <laughs> and so beautiful. And you're recommending it not just to third or fourth graders. No, I'm recommending everybody. it to a third grade through 107. From kids... <laughs> From 1 to 92, so basically. I realized as it was coming out of my mouth that I was accidentally singing a holiday carol, and I wish I could go back and do it again, but here we are. Here we are. (laughs) This sounds like a kind of book that you would read to a a child Mm -hmm. and that the the adult reader would get like more out of it. Yeah, like the kid kid would be like, why is my mom crying right now? And it's not because it's, it's sad. It's just because, it, like, the Grinch's heart growing three sizes bigger or whatever. The kid's just like, look at these cute hippos. Yes. And then the adult's crying. Yes. The adult is crying because they're not hippos at all. They are not, but <laughs> they look like them. They could be a hippo's cousin. Okay. A hippo's Scandinavian cousin. Well, Sarah doesn't know anything about Scandinavia, so I don't know why we're segueing <laughs> to her next. I do have maybe one or two books set in Scandinavia, so um, I'm going to go ahead and start with one called Burial Rites by Hannah Kent. Oh, it's so good. This is a fiction book, but it's set. It's a true story of the last woman named Agnes Magnus Dotter, who was... Uh, executed by the by in Iceland it's 1830 and she has killed somebody which that fact is not really disputed but the events surrounding the murder mm-hmm. um, as you read the book enter a, like a gray kind of area that I find really fascinating from the you know just looking at the human condition mm-hmm. so she's been convicted 
And she has to go and stay at this farm, sort of like a house arrest, um, while she receives religious instruction before she can be beheaded. During the winter, I imagine. During the winter. That absolutely sounds like a punishment. It is terrible. <laughs> and the, the family lives, it's a rural area. The family lives in like a one room house. They don't want her because they're afraid to have a, a murderess uh, under their roof. But someone just comes and says, hello, here's your new roommate. Yes. <laughs> She's a prisoner. She's a prisoner. Read her the Bible. Um, and a, Like a pastor is supposed to come oh. and, and instruct her. But he's like new to the job and he kind of falls down on the job. <laughs> I think he gets sick or something. So the, it is... It is not a cozy Moomin story. I was going to say, remarkable segue. It is fairly bleak. <laughs> Sorry. Um, the landscape is harsh. People are, everybody is just scraping to get by. Um, so you know at the beginning you're not going to get like a happy ending because you know she is beheaded. But I just found like the the transportation to the time and the place. Um, I love historic fiction, and I think like a lot of readers, I am burnt out on World War II historic fiction. So I'm like, give me something different. And I think this is just like a really gorgeous. It's kind of a short book, and it was will be perfect again to read in front of the fire and think, thank goodness that this is my time and place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and thank goodness that a murderer hasn't just been dropped off on my doorstep. (laughs) I don't think they're worried for their physical safety. I think they are worried about the their souls. Oh, wow! It becomes a very like moral quandary for them to have her just be like put put out, right? Like I have one room. (laughs) <laughs> and um, you did not RSVP. <laughs> and this is in Norway, Sweden? Denmark? It's in Iceland. Iceland. Okay. Yes, it is in rural northern Iceland. And you can visit her gravestone uh, in real life. Hmm. And the axe that was used to behead her is in the museum oh, in Reykjavik. Good. <laughs> if anybody needs a real fun family trip. My blood just ran cold. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to take us <laughs> a couple hundred miles to the east of Iceland and back in time to the early 1940s during the Siege of Leningrad. We're going to talk about Sarah and Mai's favorite book, City of Thieves by David Benioff, uh, a World War II novel, technically, uh, and a good winter read because it almost all of it takes place outside and the characters are getting... Uh, <laughs> colder by the chapter yeah so at that you were right that game of thrones was going to come into this because david benioff is the co-showrunner of that of that show cricket i did not know that because i make it a point to not know anything about game of thrones in 2008 three years before game of thrones he wrote this fantastic novel which is about uh two uh youths who are tasked to retrieve what is it a dozen eggs a dozen eggs it has a bit of a, by, by this Soviet officer, it has a bit of a kind of a catch-22, like, is, isn't is war surreal? What are we mm-hmm. doing out here kind of vibe? And they have, the book follows them on their adventure to retrieve these eggs. And they are scurrying throughout the night, uh, avoiding peril 
And from there, it's just kind of this character study. There's a lot of dialogue. There's a lot of snappy dialogue. There's a lot of nearly gallows humor. Sarah, you can help me out here. <laughs> you just there reread is, it too. I, I've read it. So I am not a rereader of almost anything. I've read this book four times, Whoa. I think. And they have a bit of an odd couple energy. It's an odd couple. It's like an odd couple buddy road trip. These two gents. Um, one is snarkier than the other. One is snarkier than the other. Of course, as as. With... And yeah, I just think their their task of finding these eggs in the middle of a siege in the middle of winter, running through the cold dark night, and making you laugh every chapter. And it's funny. And Are there it's... hijinks? No, no, it's just not hijinks. Black comedy. It's like the yeah. it's it's those laughs that catch in your throat. Like oh, I shouldn't be laughing at that. Oh. <laughs> There's also some very serious. Yes. Uh, there's like one, I don't know if it's a chapter, but one section in particular is very brutal, uh, very violent, described violence mm -hmm. um, that I, I've, every time I have reread it, it kind of strikes me again as like, oh goodness, like you remember the other parts of the book, but that one is, is specifically um, pretty dark. The audiobook is available on Hoopla and it is narrated by Ron Perlman. Mm -hmm. Highly recommend that. And that made me feel like it was funnier than actual reading of the book, because mm -hmm. he hits those the 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 notes right. kind of in all the right ways. So this book is always I find it strange to describe because it is acerbic and cynical and damn near nihilistic. And why do I like it so much? Those are bad words. I don't know. Well, there's a there's quite a bit of hopefulness. Yeah, I think it has. For something that is, has quite a bit of dark moments, mm -hmm. you do kind of know there's at least one sort of happy end coming. Right. Because the first chapter prefaces mm -hmm. is set sort of contemporary and kind of prefaces some of what happens. Yes. Yeah. But just like into thin air, you're just gonna, from your armchair, you're gonna spend a lot of time outside. <laughs> I accept. <laughs> in the cold shoes of these characters as they scurry about hunting for eggs. <laughs> So we went from... But it's not Easter. Cozy Moomins to Beheadings to uh, Cynical War Story. What do you got next, Cricket? I've got Murder, Jeff. Okay. <laughs> All right. Wait. Wait, a domestic thriller? <laughs> you know it. Cricket. In fact, two. Um, and they both take place in cold climes. Not, not Russia, not Iceland, but one called I Let You Go by Claire McIntosh takes place in Wales in the winter and um it's um a, a fairly straightforward in that there's twists and turns <laughs> which you would expect from a domestic thriller um so it's straightforward in the fact that it is not straightforward and every time you think you know who is the bad person and what has happened aha another twist which i love um and because it takes place in winter in wales there's a lot of like you know going to the beach and you know everything is like very cold and there's snow on the beach and there's ice frozen. on the roads and your water pipes are frozen when you get back to your apartment and there might be a killer in your apartment and it's so it's great for winter i think <clears throat> and um i will tell you that um because i know this is a deal break for for some people i know it the main character is a woman whose very young child has died um, which is, it's not a spoiler for the book, but it is something to know if that's not your jam. Don't read this book. I always make that when I read a blurb on the inside flap and that's like the first sentence, I'm like, oh, 
but I'm sure there's lots of people out there who do the yeah. same. But also, the child did not die in the way that you think the child died. <gasps> Spoiler alert! Play the dum dum dum. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Okay, so the second one is called The Golden Cage by Camilla Lackberg. Lackberg. G with a G. Um, which takes place in Sweden. And um, part of it is in the winter. So again, there's snow and there's ice and there's cold. And it's very, very dark because of where Sweden is in the planet Earth during winter. And um, it's um, the first in what is either a trilogy unless she keeps going um right now there's two books out but the um the name of the series is phase revenge um so i don't know if anybody else likes a good revenge story i love a good revenge story um so um it's not you're never gonna guess what the main character's name is it's Faye. Um, and she's taking revenge she um you know she married someone who turned out to be a you know just a turd right and um and then she's she's making things right in the way that she can <laughs> <laughs> that's ominous yeah and um i think it's great i had a ball i i just had a great time and then the second one came out and i had a great time with that too the author's <laughs> last name again lackberg and the first name of that other author again Bailed. thank you <laughs> anytime sarah what do you got next well, I feel like we should wrap up our Nordic countries. Yeah. We're almost there. Um, and this time, this I probably should have done a twofer because this is a similar, I would say, a little bit in vain of burial rites. So the next title I want to talk about is The Mercies by Kieran Hillgrave Millwood, who I think is primarily known for being a YA author. And this, I believe, was her first novel that was that was sort of marketed for adults. So if burial rites give you a little bit of vibe of uh, the unrelentingness of the Danish crown of the, you know, early 20th century. Heavy as the head. Um, this, you will also love this. If that's a theme you enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> which which I, you, nobody does. But this is also based on true a true story. It, the Vardo witch trials in... And I would encourage you to look at a map. Because if you feel like you can picture where Norway is on the map. And you know, Norway is like a long, skinny thing. Vardo is at the very northern top. It's above the Arctic Circle. It is just, it might as well be on the moon, I think, for this community. <laughs> uh, so the true story is there was, uh, people were burned at the stake. Witches were burned at the stake, witches, so-called witches, in the uh, 1600s by the Danish crown. In Vardo? In Vardo. Because we were punishing women as history has shown us for many oh. reasons just happens again and again just oh, women yeah. doing their thing so just mm -hmm. was it just like a similar strain of like salem panic like a little bit so what happens is that it's the it's a fishing village and all the men or most of the men have died in a storm at sea while they were fishing and the women are bereft and very sad but you know like women 
persevere and they have figured out how to survive. Ah, so it's a women working book. Women are working. <laughs> and they then, uh, yeah, like the old Danish crown uh, or a, a somebody acting for the Danish crown shows up and decides that these women who are just trying to like eke out their little lives um, are possibly witches. So because they can survive without men. Yes. Magic must be involved. Uh, Of course. (laughs) Man. Your logic is so sound. Obviously. Obviously. (laughs) Are you, are you the Danish crown? (laughs) Um, So, um, so there's some fake trials. Um, There is some secret love interests. Interesting. But I just, I really thought that there so again, it's not like a super happy book, as probably a lot of life wasn't in the 1600s, but especially for women. Um, but I just think that their perseverance like, is both kind of really frightening and really fascinating. Mm-hmm. And I just really liked the sort of relationships that she built among these women um, who are all a, kind of flawed. You know, they're mm-hmm. just the kind of like really fleshed out characters. And I, I just was totally transported. And I'm ready to go to Vardo if anybody wants to go with me. Someone told me that it would be a good book to read if one enjoys Galore by Michael Crummy. So I could just keep the trend going of continually <laughs> referencing that book. Seriously, that is that is what June told me. Uh, no. Oh, yep, there it is. Yeah. We're good. I might, I might talk about Michael Crummy. Okay, all right. Well, you just talked about witches, so I'm going to talk about witches which brings me to my, to my perfunctory mentioning of uh, The Golden Compass by Oh, Phil. that is a great one. Thank you, Cricket. Pullman. Philip Pullman, of course. Which I've is, never read it. It's so wintry. Which is part of the his Dark Materials trilogy, which is very atheistic. Let's get that right out of the... I only like the first book. You know, the rest is okay. However... I've read the first book twice. This is a, a book about... A girl named Lyra who's raised in Oxford, uh, and it's it's like an alternate Earth. It's not our actual Earth, even though it resembles our world almost eighty percent of the way. There are places like London, there are places like Oxford, but it's just a little, little different. And also, there are witches uh, mm-hmm. flying around and talking polar bears. Okay, so maybe, all kinds of talking animals. Maybe it's like forty percent like our Earth, but. <laughs> but uh, there aren't there aren't uh, elves or dwarves or like Balrogs or anything. How but... would you pronounce? Would you pronounce it demons or diamonds? They're little. Uh, <laughs> That's fam- right. Familiars. Everyone has their familiar, which I say demon, and that is a talking animal. It's spelled like D A E M O N. That basically yeah. represents your soul, an exterior representation of your soul. They are often adorable. <laughs> And Horrible souls. Yeah, it's very much a book for 12-year-olds because there's a lot of metaphors threaded in there about mentioning it without mentioning it of coming of age and going through puberty, etc. And that has to do with your... I'm not trying to explain the whole book. I'm just saying that the entire second half takes place in a wintry, wintry location, a wintry palace. One of the, one of the key characters is a polar bear. They're flying in this little flying machine that is kind of like a hot air balloon jet hybrid through the snowy winds and they're landing in the snow and they're storming the snowy castle and they're rescuing children and snow snow 
battle polar bear fight. Anyway, it's very exciting. It's been adapted to, <laughs> into a show. It's on HBO Max. It's pretty good at it. Also a kind of crappy movie. And a very crappy movie with Nicole Kidman <laughs> and, a, and a pre-James Bond Daniel Craig. Uh, oh, I forgot he was in that. And then it got me thinking about how <laughs> there's this perfunctory snowy climb in a lot of fantasy series. Uh, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe pretty much literally has Santa Claus show up. There's a snow witch. There's a lot of wintry Christmassy vibes in the first Harry Potter book. So I guess that's just part of the buy-in. Mm-hmm. Kids like snow. Snow is magical. Magical stories. Fantasy. I don't know what the formula is. You writers at home, you figure it out. Golden Compass. <laughs> well, since you talked about Golden Compass, which is technically young adult, I'm going to talk about my throwback young adult pick, <clears throat> which dates back to the 90s when young Cricket was visiting her local library and found a list that a librarian had helpfully made for um, passive readers advisory. Shout out to librarians. Love it. I know. Of uh, romance books for teens. And one of them was called The Unlikely Romance of Kate Bjorkman by Louise Plummer. And um, Sarah and I are both shaking our heads. I have never heard of that. (laughs) So I should bring it in. I, I have a copy with the original like 90s cover. It's it's like a Dell yearling. You know what I'm talking about? The Yeah. Because I reread it in 2020 and it still holds <laughs> up. It is still solid gold. <laughs> so it's about this teenage girl named Kate Bjorkman. And um, she's very tall, which, spoiler alert, I was very tall as a teen. She wore glasses. And, you know, based on what she sees in the media, she is like, I am not the heroine of a great romance. Um, she's also like a, has a genius IQ and an enormous vocabulary and likes to just like think about long words all the time. So she's like, love is not coming for me, um, you know, but it's winter, <laughs> it's winter break and her older brother brings home his childhood best friend. For winter break and Kate Bjorkman sees this friend from her youth all grown up and sparks fly and um, it, it turns out that this childhood friend is now a handsome grown up uh, well not too grown up obviously a handsome age appropriate um, <laughs> hero who happens to like six foot tall women with glasses and giant vocabularies so um, they have a cozy wintry romance as often happens in a romance something goes wrong and um you know they have to try to make it right in time for new year's eve and there is um ice skating there's hot chocolate there's sitting in front of a fire in really woolly socks at one point a character like they they go out and build like a snow fort and they have a, a smorgasbord for for the holidays and it's just Lovely. I wish this were a visual medium. I'm going to just have to make this book cover the cover of the podcast episode. Yes, exactly. Look, home. there they are, ice skating. Very 90s. Yep. Very, very good. She's just looking longingly at him. Yeah. And if he wasn't busy trying to lace up his skates, he would be looking longingly back. Um, so here's the thing. We don't have it here at Ferndale, alas, but it is in TLN. So put your hold on because... Um, a library will send it to you, and I i don't think you'll be sorry. Magnificent. Top that, Sarah. <laughs> well, I have a romance also on my list, okay. but my romance is for grown-ups only. 
<laughs> and I, I love romance. I've talked a lot about romance on this podcast. Um, I don't love always a Christmas romance. I just finished a Christmas novella romance and it was not good. But um, I do really like uh, almost all of the books by Jasmine Guillory. And I know that we've talked about her a lot on the this podcast before. She has a holiday romance called Royal Holiday. I would say it's not my favorite of her universe, but her universe is just so delightful. Mm-hmm. And this one is stands out for me, and not only due to its like holiday cozy setting, but also because it features the mom of one of her other characters. Oh, nice. So, and I have nothing against reading romance books where people are 20-somethings or even, you know, a, a good YA romance. But reading about 60-somethings and their pursuit of romantic love and connection and, dare I say, sexy times <laughs> was like such a breath of fresh air. This character does not get a novella. They don't get a short story. They get a full novel. And I just really love that sort of like nod to it. It also has like, I think that one of the leads works for the now dead queen. Mm. Um, So there's this like, if you're into like a royal setting, so it takes place in England, mostly sort of over the winter um, it is, if you're familiar with the Guillory universe, it's Maddie's mom from uh, Wedding Party. So she's a personal stylist, maybe styling uh, the then Duchess. Um, so there's sort of these like royal tie-ins, which I don't really care anything about. Um, but it is, it's cozy and like Christmassy enough without it being like overwhelmingly small town cutesy. Sure. It's not a Hallmark movie. It is not. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a romance for grownups. All right. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. We have romance for teens and romance for grownups. Yeah. Age-appropriate romance for all. Everybody. Yeah. Everybody deserves age-appropriate romance. Definitely. going to clumsily tie back into... uh... (laughs) Do you have a romance on your list, Jeff? (laughs) No, I was going to talk about... I was going to talk about a book called The Shining. uh, (laughs) Which is... (laughs) Which is on here uh, because I love, because I more. Because you're so romantic. Gosh. Okay. That's the worst segue ever. <laughs> He's like, enough of that. Enough of that. <laughs> I'm going to talk about The Shining by Stephen King, who I frankly have a lot of problems with, uh, but, and have only read two books of his. And this is, just happens to be one of them. And it's really only on here. For a couple of reasons. A, because it obviously takes place during the winter when the uh, family at the center of it has to be the caretakers of a big hotel in the middle of winter. Uh, but I must feel a, a huge, huge, huge fan of the film. So it's technically only on here with an asterisk because I'm a bigger fan of the film than I am of the book. But I still would recommend that if you have watched the movie a hundred times like me, having not read the book, you should go back to it because I think that there's something still fulfilling there. Even though... The premise of the book is this writer needs time to write and uh, he starts to slowly go insane <laughs> due to uh, extreme cabin fever. The worst case of cabin fever 
in the history of <laughs> literature or film, probably. It's a bit of an understatement, Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I would say that um, actually, actually, I'm going to bring this book out not as a recommendation. I think I'm actually going to indict this book on the podcast. Can I just can I just go completely cold on it for a second? Um, I think sure. I think this is a case where the movie definitely is better than the book. That's a I, whole separate podcast. That's a whole I think we separate should, podcast. Yes, definitely. I'm into that. And I think it's because of the decisions that Stephen King makes, which may or may not be egocentric, because I think that he obviously sees this writer character as a cipher for himself, and he is saying, "Oh, what I do is so hard." And the film, which I put up, put it up against. For me in the film, the little boy, Danny, is the hero of the film. And in the book, it is a little too much about the writer. It's almost like you're in the writer's head for too much. Mm. And it's less about ghosts, which is fun, and more about alcoholism, which is not fun. Rarely. So I think in the span of 120 seconds, I now talked all of us out (laughs) of reading The Shining. So let's just go watch the movie instead. Cricket, what do you got? Well... Did somebody say ghosts? Because, <laughs> boy, howdy, do I have a, a well, the, okay. Um, this is a book I'm currently reading. So that's the disclaimer is that I have not yet finished it yet because I have been stretching out the stories to one a day because I've been enjoying them so much. Is it a collection? It is a collection by one author. So okay. Jeanette Winterson, she wrote Oranges Are the Only Fruit, she wrote Why Be Happy When You Can Be Normal. Um, she's a writer living in England who is gay and was raised very religiously and as an adult is kind of like sorting out, you know, what's okay about her childhood and what is not okay about her childhood. Last name again? Winterson. Good for the podcast. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just read Why Be Happy When You Could Be Normal. I enjoyed it so much. I was like, what else has this lady written? And she has written a book called Christmas Days, 12 Stories and 12 Feasts. So there is a story and then there is a recipe um, that is something that you might like to eat at the holidays with your friends and family. That sounds like something cozy mystery it's writers do. Cozy. It's cozy, except that it's Jeanette Winterson who is... Processing very, trauma. Very snarky. Okay. And also processing trauma. And um, so I, I will say at one point she comes for the Muppets and I almost put the book down. Oh my gosh. Uh yeah. She she refers to um a Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens as being like such an excellent story that it survived the Muppets. <gasps> and, and you kept reading? I, I kept reading because the the story the previous story had been so good so most of the stories have ghosts or um like slightly paranormal elements in them but not like not like the shining not like scary ghosts but more like well a, a varying level of creepiness in the ghosts but some of them are just kind of like friendly and then the recipes are all like like one time I spent Christmas with Ruth Rendell and and she made me this humble brag. Yeah, right? <laughs> like she made me this dish to eat and then, you know, this is like the weird British trifle that my dad used to always make when I was growing up and this is how British people like to have their custard and it's just it's good fun. And I forgive her for coming for the Muppets because I like her ghost story so much. Well, if you forgive her then I will agree to forgive her too. So Yeah. 
That's so. pretty intense yeah. for so, you to withstand. That's what I'm in the middle of right now. Wonderful. And I like it. Nice. Yeah. Sarah, do you have any... Well, we haven't talked about Michael Crummy yet. That's right. And I feel like no podcast shall be aired. Pretty close. Without Michael Crummy. So we talked a lot about Nordic countries. Mm-hmm. And this is not a Nordic country, but is north, north of us. And is it Greenland? It is Newfoundland. Newfoundland. So Michael Crummy is a Canadian writer who is not as productive as I think he needs to be. Fair, fair. Come on, come on, buddy. What is he doing these days? I don't know. So my winter suggestion is called The Innocence, which is not specifically set uh, like during the holidays or during one winter because it covers probably a decade mm-hmm. um, of the lives of two siblings in rural Newfoundland in the late 1700s, mm-hmm. maybe. They are left to their own devices. They are left to their own devices. To survive. To survive after, like, the Spanish, no. Some, everybody dies. Their whole family dies. And so, and they are children. Mm -hmm. They are, like, 10 and 12. And so, uh, in Newfoundland, so they're just kind of left to survive. They have no other family. They've never even talked to another human being other than the midwife, their entire lives, they are that isolated. And it's not specifically one winter, but it's Newfoundland. So like every year winter comes early, spring is often tardy, Mm. and they are just trying to like survive uh, by fishing and uh, sort of like farming, staving off hypothermia, staving off hypothermia, trying to set they they learn how to set traps for animals, um, and and it is sort of the beauty and the brutality of nature, and their survival within it is so gorgeous. Yes, it just like they like the setting is so frightful, but also just like I want to watch this as a really gorgeous television show um i do like a good survival story it is a survival story and there there is no ghosts show up but uh the the young boy is a little haunted by something that he does indeed see um comic books are always a little bit haunted does anyone smell like fish all the time probably all the time The, the, the smell of fish is described the tracks yeah um so I, I just, I loved it so much. This is also a book that I've read several times uh, and it holds up every single time. It just immerses you in the language and the place yep. and then lets the characters come out slowly, which I yep. think is just, it's it's on almost perfect. Just, the, the, the end is not perfect and I'm not going to say anymore. Ooh, just respecting the brutal, respecting the wilderness, the cold. All of that stuff, the austerity of it all, that's threaded through into thin air, that's threaded through a little bit of shining. You have to respect winter, and it's threaded through Mm -hmm. there, too. Uh, I know Sarah and I both really like the beauty of the brutality. Uh, Listeners can't see that during our conversation, Cricket's gaze has gone off into the distance, and I think she's been escaping to Moomin. Moomin lands just, while Sarah and I I'm talk just, like, about. I'm concerned that these little boys don't have enough quilts. <laughs> <laughs> they have no quilts. Yeah. yeah. And they have to now figure out how to darn their own socks. <laughs> Oof. Do we have any? Cl- 
do we have any closing thoughts? Do you uh, do you both field questions like that at the reference test where they're like, I'm looking for cozy reads? Have you ever had anyone say that? I've had people looking for cozy mysteries, which is a, like a different thing altogether because it just means a mystery without too much murder or mm-hmm. blood or gore. I do think that sometimes you'll get people who ask for cozy reads who are not necessarily looking for winterly set reads, just things that are lighter, uh, you know, don't really have themes of like beheadings and Alexander um, McCall Smith, you know, being burned at the stake. The 44 Scotland series is, is a fantastic suggestion for those kind of readers. Um, So I do think you get people who ask for cozy reads. You know, I think we kind of stuck with a lot of like, a lot more winter themed things brutal things yeah we we took the assignment pretty seriously but it was fun to look back over winters and what i've enjoyed reading that kind of like fit a theme because i do make it a point in december to try to read something seasonally appropriate whether it's actually like referring to christmas or just winter right yeah but it's also a good time to you know, I know Jeff, like juicy family sagas are your thing. Like it's also a good time to just like dive into something, you know, family dynamics maybe on your mind during the holiday season. Like winter is when I read <laughs> the brothers Karamazov. Um, that's fam- that's a family saga. Um, but I really like our picks. We had uh, some beheadings and nuclear winter and alcoholism Which is being burned. And then we were like. Graded on the curve, we were brought up by Moomins and Kate Bjorkman, who really got us out of those. Brutal... I would just like to say that I was laughing at your picks because they were unexpected, not because I don't like them. I know, I know. Okay, just making sure. And shout out to whoever that librarian I was. know. Okay, so if you worked in the young adult department at the Herrick District Library in Holland, Michigan in 1990. Six. Shout out to you. This might have been you who made this mimeographed list. (laughs) Um, I read almost everything on it. (laughs) I was too shy to actually talk to a librarian directly and ask for recommendations. So thank you. They're like little pencil check marks Mm -hmm. next to each one. I can picture Mm -hmm. this list right now. I love it. Thank you, librarians (laughs) everywhere. Thank you, Cricket. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. And thank you. Sorry I laughed at you so much. For. Hopefully the people at home will have to do. Uh, Thank you for listening to another episode of A Little Too Quiet, the Ferndale Library podcast. In our show notes, we'll have a list of all these wild recommendations from Moomins to Nuclear Winter. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Remember to rate, review, subscribe, or just please tell a friend. And we'll be back in the new year. Take care until then.